special moment. It's been a long time waiting. On today's show, we have Robert Lee. Robert Lee is the CEO of Sesai Eat Station. If you follow me, you track me, you probably see my involvement, my work with them. But it's a great pleasure to have my good friend Robert Lee. Robert, what's going on? Oh, not much, man. Feeling great, man. Nice to be in the show. What's going on? Hey, everything's good, man. It's good to have you here um, with us today. And, you know, I just want to have a a dope, honest, candid conversation with you, man. Um, You know, I know a lot about you personally, but I don't think that the world gets to see a certain side of you. So I want to see how candid we could get with you today, if that's cool. Okay, absolutely, man. Shoot away. (laughs) All right, all right. So I just want to have very easy conversation, man. Let's not um, rush into it and let's not, you know, feel a certain way. But I just really want... You know, let's just start off by who is Robert Lee, man? Who is Robert Lee? Well, um, I'm from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. All right. Um, I'm Chinese and Vietnamese. Uh, and pretty much my whole life, I've uh, been surrounded by both my parents. They're both entrepreneur. Uh, they've been, they got into restaurant business literally when I was a baby. And as I was growing up, I've been kind of been in the industry for the longest time. And my parents philosophy was the more kids we have the more kids they have the more free workers they have <laughs> for the business so i was just kind of like your your typical chinese family where the kids are pretty much working with the family business as the family business grows so my parent had uh, a chinese buffet back then did really well because buffet wasn't a huge thing back then but uh when they had it it was booming the i mean we had a, a community 2,000 square feet, a relatively small restaurant for a buffet style, and it was booming, and it did really well. But it, was, it, it got challenging when the American caught on the buffet style concept, and my parents really had to evolve to something different, and I was part, kind of part of that process. Nice, nice. So let's just jump in, man. Like, you know, with that being said, and you know, it's funny that you own a restaurant right now. You actually own four mm-hmm. um, restaurants, and, and, and you're growing, but, you know, a lot of people would shy away from doing what the parents kind of like almost forced them to do. You know, a lot of people would shy away from that. But what was it that you said, okay, I'm going to embrace this and I wanted to continue to do this? Well, I have to say that when I was younger, I did hate the fact that I could not spend time with my friends where most of my friends, like back then, back in high school and middle school, they were going to movies, they were do ice skating rink, you know, they were hanging out with friends, they were skateboarding, you know, and that's what they were doing on their weekends and during the weekdays after homework. What I was doing after school and the weekend was working a 50, 60 hour job at my mom's place. And that's something I did not like. It wasn't something that I, at back then, really appreciated. Uh, so but what, so what changed that? Like, what was it like? Okay, I'm gonna, I you know, when you set out to do the business and you say I'm gonna jump into the restaurant business, what was it that triggered that? You know, even when back then you say you know you you hated it. I think there, there was a lot of mixed feelings that goes into there, and it has to do with my parents and how they taught us as we grew up. So it, it was taught what was taught and why we did what we did was that my parents taught us hard work, taught us humbleness, taught us. 
you know, family, how family would do anything for each other. And that's pretty much why we, why me, my brother and my sister was there to help my parents out when we were young. Well, you know, obviously we would choose to spend time with our friends and a movie. Instead of that, we were there for my parents. And part of us hated because we want to spend time with our friends. The other part was that we know that my parents needed our help and we needed, we wanted to be there for them. But of course, we were young. So there was many times that me and my brother, we rebelled. We're like, no, we're, we don't want to come to work. My parents like, no, you're coming to work. <laughs> and, you know, my parents back then was pretty traditional. So their judgment wasn't words. It was more physical. Yeah, well, you know, back <laughs> so, then they didn't have DCF. And, no, yeah. Like, you, you cut a nice whoop it and it was all right. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 was the, it was the hangers for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was bam, right. one hanger. That one broke. All right, next hanger. Bam, bam, bam. So, I mean, uh, I mean, Kidding aside, like my parents taught us a lot of great values, even though we couldn't appreciate it back then. As we grow, as I grow up now, I really appreciate what they taught us: the ability to be be family oriented, pretty much be there no matter what for the family, and hard work pays off. No matter what skills you have, just putting the work in uh, for the greater good. And the greater good was the family back then. Was you know my family. It was small business, and you know we went through the highs, we went through the lows, and during the lows they needed us the most. And as kids, we understood that at a very young age. Nice, nice, awesome, man. Way to be open and and, and candid. Uh, super dope. I want to take a step back, actually, real quick, if you don't mind. I want to take a step back and explain what it is that you do currently. What is okay. Sesai Eat Station? You know, I mentioned to the people that you own a restaurant, but what is Sesai Eat Station? And then we'll get into like kind of how it came about. But what is Sesai East Station? What is your current role in the company now? Okay. Well, uh, Sesai East Station is a fast, casual, ninja-themed sushi restaurant where essentially you can create and make your own sushi. And the whole idea that came about was when me and my wife, Teresa, uh, we're food eaters. We love going out to eat, uh, to eat a food, uh, at different restaurants. And we noticed that there was a... A, a void in the market. There was a lot of fast casual concept of a bunch of different things. Uh, Mexican, like you Chipotle, you have Italian, you have even Chinese, you have Thai, There's a lot of fast casual restaurants and that was a growing sector. Uh, the only fast casual that wasn't in existence was sushi, was Japanese. So, and with the entrepreneur background I had and the creativeness that me and Teresa both had within our core, we wanted to create something that was unique and different and that was void in the market that we know that would possibly can do well if done correctly. And essentially that's how Sesha was born. It was a reflection of me and my wife personality, which was, we love to have fun. We are a Two individuals that are in, that that hold integrity really high. They always want to do the the, the right thing. Uh, we're passionate individuals, so passion is a huge part of our integrity and creativity. We love to create to have creativity in everything we do, from you know having a party, from you know just going out and having a good time, and of course incorporate that in our business. So Sess High was born from our personality and a void in the market. So that's how Sess High is born: a fast, casual, sushi-themed restaurant. Awesome, awesome. Well, how long ago did you start this? Uh, this was uh, back in 2011. Uh, and so we've been in business for a little over six years now. Nice. So how many locations do you currently have? We have one in UCF, one in Altima Springs, and a feature lo- two feature locations, one in Lake Nona, and one in Millennia. Now, for somebody starting a restaurant, you know, somebody's passionate about the industry, 
you know, and, and they want to start a restaurant, what advice would you have for them um, as far as starting a restaurant? Um, so many, so, so many lessons that we learned, but if I had one advice, uh, it would have to be somewhere along the line with leadership because in order for you to build any type of business, it could be a small business, could be a business, big business, but leadership is important. And to understand that making mistake is all part of the process is, is important. I mean, the first year we made like $20,000, $30,000 mistakes on food costs and employee alone. Uh, and those mistakes can be very stressful. Those mistakes can, you know, almost can, can crush business. Not because of the mistake itself, but emotionally, because we're, you know, we're human, you know, we're, we're all human of emotions and that can put a great stress and toll in anybody. So by understanding that, make a mistake and be able to continue building the business, understanding that you will continue to hit barriers after barriers after barriers. It's all part of the process. It's probably the greatest uh, lessons that I learned as an entrepreneur because we have hit so many barriers, some barriers, some mistakes that we thought was going to be the end of us. And it was only because we had the idea and understanding that this is part of the process and the support of the friends and family around us and each other because I built this business with my wife was for us able to continue to push past the barrier and not have the barrier push on us and for us to close our business. Nice, nice, nice. Great, great advice, man, from leadership to, you know, everything. And I want to dive into culture a little bit later. I think that's something unique to your business that you have. But before that, you know, so so you have you gave me great advice for an entrepreneur wanting to go into the restaurant industry. And you don't have to share exactly how you got the finances for your first location, but enlighten me and say I am going out, you know, cookies my passion, I want to start a restaurant. But people say, okay, they won't even get to that second base. You say, I don't have the money to do so, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, it's going to cost me $1,000. I don't have the money mm -hmm. to do so. What would be your answer back to that? I mean, before money, it would have to be like, especially somebody that loves to cook and wants to own the business. The first thing before even money is that being an entrepreneur versus being a cook are two completely different jobs. Amen, amen. Like it's like the E-Myth um, e book, I want to say. Yeah. So before you even get to the finance, you have to get your mind straight to understand that the lifestyle and this position that you're about to get into was, is going to be completely different from what gets you, got you into the passion of what you're about to pursue into the next level. So, you know, you were doing as accountant and you want to build, you know, for a firm and now you want to build your own firm. That's a completely different skill set and a completely different mindset that you have to put yourself into. A chef that loves to cook, wants to build their own restaurant, completely different. So before we get to finance, you have to understand that idea. So there's a difference between being a cook. But being a cook in your own restaurant and running a successful business. Am I Absolutely. understanding it right? Absolutely. So my first advice for somebody that is a cook or is an accountant, that is a lawyer and wants to build their own empire and not work for someone else is get a mentor. Okay. Awesome. Get, yeah. That is probably also the greatest lesson I learned as an entrepreneur. A mentor will be able to guide you through the mistake that they have already gone through and be able to evaluate where you are mentally and where your capabilities are and be able to give you a guiding force to be able to pursue what you're looking for. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. So now, you know, but jump into the finances, right? Okay. You know, yes. because a lot of people, you know, yeah, you, and you're right. I think you gave a great example and, it, and it's so true. And there's a book on this called the E-Myth and there's three different type of individuals when it's running the business, you know, the person that's the technician, the manager, yeah. the entrepreneur, you know, so there's different sides. So super important, but you know, I, I think it's, it's good to elaborate on the finances because I want to get people to the thing like it is possible, right? Mm-hmm. If yes. it is a passion, it is possible. So how did you go about that? Mm-hmm. Or, or you don't have to talk about exactly your situation, but what advice would you give as far as finances? Because I know you've always in, in your finances, you've, you've been very strategic OPM. So talk about that. Now, with finance, like the way we build our business, we, we didn't put any capital up ourselves. Awesome. awesome. And, um, and I mean, another advice as you build your own business, you'll, you'll realize that there's a lot of capital out there. There's a lot. There's, there's as much individual out there that's willing to put money into a uh, passionate individual to have great concept as there is people that has great idea. Awesome. Awesome. So there's, you know, we're not getting into details on techniques and methods and strategies on how to build capital, how to fundraise and how to structure, you know, that can be another conversation. But the idea is that you can literally yourself start with no capital, with a great idea and with great guidance and be able to finance any project from 50,000 to a million or more. Amen, amen. And it's funny because that's where I wanted you kind of to take it because it is so true, right? There is a lot of money out there, but we'll limit ourselves and say, hey, look, the money isn't out there or I need to raise all it. I need to do it by myself. I don't have the savings. But I think if you believe in the dream strong enough, you could make people buy into that dream. And you know what's great about the area that we're in right now is that it's almost impossible even to say the word impossible is impossible <laughs> to say that I don't know how mm. that literally that's one of the when I first started that's the that's the word that I deleted from my dictionary I don't know how because we have Google yeah. we have the internet yeah. if you want to learn how to fundraise you can easily Google that watch some Shark Tank episodes you know we have so much resources in our fingertips abundance, abundance oh. that there is almost Besides, that's the only reason why we say we don't know how is because of fear. Fear is what is allowing us to say, no, I don't know how. I don't want to do it. It's too hard. All that is based off of fear. If you take fear out of the equation, you'll realize that the resources around you is abundance. Nice, nice. Abundance. So true. So true. And it's funny. You're leading right into what I want to talk about next. Now, with the New Rich podcast, with New Rich, a lot about New Rich is, is mindset, right? For me, it's, it's, a lot about, it's a lot about the mindset. What mindset, you know, you've been in, you said, seven years in business, six years in business? Six, uh, over six years, yeah. Over six years, and, and I know there was ups and downs and pivots and, and shaking up. What mindset were, did you have to get yourself into to start it, but then not only to start it, but to sustain it? What do you think was that mindset factor or the mindset even play a factor? Was it not a factor or was it a factor? And if it is a factor, what mindset did you have? I, I believe, you know, when, I, when we first, the, 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 the beginning of the business, the mindset is very similar as the mindset you have if you're thinking about starting a business right now. It's very undeveloped it's very like open you're learning and it it it's the more responsibility that's putting onto you it's almost you're building this 
this almost experience of barrier to be able to take uh, uh, crisis, crisis management. And literally, when you build a business, you'll be you understand that how much crisis management that you're going to get into of dealing with people, dealing with process, dealing with product, dealing with uh, profits, all those each time, and you're going to deal with all those P's. Uh, situations that's going to build a barrier or going to build a defenses mechanism in your mental mind of how you handle crisis, and it only it only get developed by handling more responsibility by experiencing more. So in the beginning, we didn't know what to expect. We were just literally shooting shooting into the air and just kind of just dealing what we had at hand. And what we realized as we grow our business, we realized that there's more more responsibilities given to us, more responsibility for the product, for our customers, more responsibility for our employees and their morale and their culture, more responsible for the brand because it became uh, something for the community uh, and the community itself or responsibility for the community, a responsibility for leaders, responsibility for our culture. So the more responsibility you build as a as a company, as you know, entrepreneur, that's what builds that 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 the hard defense mechanism as you deal with crisis. And you only get that by handling those situations. You don't get that off the bat. So entrepreneur is almost a great crisis manager, huh? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, Pretty much. It's so true. It, 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 it's so true. You know, I think we had this conversation before we got on air. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's like how to deal with crisis as it comes. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, and that touches on mindset, right? You have a positive mindset or a, a mindset that says, okay, I'm identifying this crisis. Mm-hmm. I'm going to navigate the waters of this crisis mm-hmm. and I'm going to move forward. Yeah. So, because as a leader, it's not about when things are going right. When things are going right, no one's really looking at you. They're looking at the process you put in place and they're following it. They're looking at the product that you develop and they're following it. It's when, when stuff hit the fan, when something that's off of what you expect and, and what you put out there ever just look at you and be like, how are you going to deal with this? Ooh, are you going to... Are you, gonna, are, you, are you going to deal with this with your emotions? Are you gonna, and how are you going to handle this? This is not part of the process. This is when true leadership is created. Awesome. It's awesome. not about when things are right. It's about when things are completely in chaos. It's how you handle it. More importantly, is how your people underneath you handle crisis. Your leadership is dictated and how and how it's determined how well your leadership is, not by how you perform. It's how well the people underneath you perform the crisis that's at hand. Man, that's a tweetable moment. Right? That's a quote. That's a quote from Robert Lee. Man, that's awesome. And I love the way that, you know, you, you, you spoke on that. You know, I really like that entrepreneur equals crisis manager because it's so true and how you deal with that. You know, I want to say Martin Luther King has as a quote that says, you know, the true test of a man is how is the way that, the way that he stands in a moment of adversity. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it is very true. So I, I really respect that that answer. Now you have four locations. Is it the goal to grow more locations? And when you set out in business, did you say, hey, I'm setting out to business to reach X amount of locations? Was that the mindset going in? Or did you develop, let's say, hey, I'm going to go for a lot? So two-part question. When you went into the business, did you anticipate to grow? And sitting here today, you're at four. Where are you going? I mean, I think in the beginning, we have always wanted to express 
our creativity and our principles of how we uh, build our business with the whole world in, in a grand scale. So does that mean building 500 locations in the next 10 years? That's part of, that's a part of the plan. But as we continue building our business, we realize that there's so many factors that that changes our overarching goal. So yes, we want to build a business to a you know as sushi as one of the number one thing in the United States and maybe in the world in the near future. That's our ultimate goal. We want to own that uh, uh, that responsibility. You know, when you think of sushi, you think of us. You wow. think of, like when you think of pizza, you think of maybe Pizza Hut or Domino. You think of Spanish food, you think of Chipotle, uh, we think of burgers, you think of McDonald's. You know, we want to have the responsibility when you think of sushi, you think of us. That's a big responsibility. Uh, and that comes with a lot of, lot of work and effort in order to accomplish that. And that's something that we're willing to put the work to do. Um, but that goal, what I realized as we build a business is there's so much factor as we, as we build a relationship. You know, we've realized that our goals and our values change a little as we grow as well too but the ultimate goal is really to be the sushi of the world wow that's that that's a bold statement um but you know hey who can do it other than you guys right um i want to touch on you know and i i know your business a little bit more than maybe the listeners but i think that something you have been able to create it and is unique and special to you is that you have been at, within your company, you have created this culture and it's almost like, no, nah, I wouldn't say cult like culture, but you created this culture that's able to sustain throughout the years. So like, how did you, can you speak on culture, how important sure. it is to your business and how did you create that? Uh, well, I've been in the restaurant industry for over 15 years, uh, pretty much my whole life. And the number thing, the number one thing I realized is that there's just a sigma in the hospitality industry when you think of employees or you think of if anyone listening that has work that is currently working a server position or any type of hospitality you go you go out to a bar and you talk to your coworker you, you talk about how crappy the day is how crappy your manager is and and talk about your boss your you know the customers it's always there's always that sigma of like negativity of the hospitality industry everybody gets in it as an entry job and it's always not the most pleasant thing to do because there's a lot of pleasing and there's not a reward that goes behind it because maybe not because of the cut the, the employees it could have a lot to do with the company itself there's a lot of great company out there i'm not bashing on a company um but it's just the sigma that's out there so i and i realized that in the very beginning of my business uh that i need to be able to combat that so what we develop in order to push the culture forward is develop a certain vocabulary we understand that you know human uh as humans we we look at words as tr lots of meaning there's a lot of meaning behind a word and how we use that word. So instead of saying employee or instead of saying manager or boss we, or, or my work, we start changing. In order to change a culture, you have to change a vocabulary. That, that's our philosophy. So our work becomes our dojo, um, which is our store. Our, our co-worker becomes ninja. Our manager becomes sensei. Our owner becomes grandmasters. Uh, so when you associate with a master or grandmaster, that's more teaching than is 
to command or to tell what to do. It's more, there's, more, there's more teaching environment when you think of grandmasters or masters. And ninjas is more fun and it's something to kind of sway away from the segment of employee. So, and we realize that actually works. So when you come to our dojo, when you work at our dojo, uh, you get a different identity when you come in. So if Ryan comes in and work as an entry-level ninja, you first thing, you get a ninja name. Wow, that's cool. That's really and cool. that ninja name is pretty much carried through the whole company. Uh, and we, we realized that when you do that, it's, it's, it's almost like re- rebirth. <laughs> Wow. Like yeah. it, it almost get it almost like you get a new identity and you can then pretty much be creative and and just build this character within the company of whoever you want to be. You know, we have a lot of great ninjas uh, that are super talented with singing, acting, um, and different aspects of their uh, their careers that they're trying to build. Uh, and we we understand that, and we 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 not only do we uh, we support it, uh, we we ins- we inspire that. Uh, as much as we can, because we understand that each individual is different, and and in the hospitality industry, and it's our responsibility as owners. So our, one of our philosophy is that there's three pillars in life, uh, and and each pillar is super important, and it's, there's a huge responsibility that comes with it. So one pillar is your school, your education. It don't have to be school; it could be self-education. Uh, so that's one pillar. Second pillar is your friends, your family, your significant other, and then your third pillar is your work. So understanding those are three pillars that hold you up in life and we're responsible for literally a third of your life because that's a third. But then for some employee who doesn't go to school, we're responsible for almost 50% of their life. So we have a huge responsibility as a owner, as a company. So we take that responsibility very seriously and we need to develop a, a surrounding environment that the employee can truly not only do well in it, but also grow as an individual mentally and physically. So we focus on a lot of different aspects. We focus on health and fitness. We focus on leadership, skill building, multitasking, leadership. We, we like to build within the company. You start as a ninja, we like to grow you as a trainer, as a manager, eventually as a general manager. So we understand that we have a huge responsibility as an entrepreneur, and I think any business, by understanding the principle, you have a huge responsibility, and what you do with that responsibility is up to you. We we like to have as much fun as possible. The more fun, the more strong that pillar that we can give for that particular individual, that can transcend to the other pillars, to the friends and family, and also to uh, their personal development and their school. Nice, nice. That's that, that's awesome. You know, and like. You know, I, I think companies now are starting to see that. But, you know, I look back seven years ago and, and, and seeing your your genesis, if you will, and you guys pushed that from the very beginning, mm-hmm. right? You pushed those type of things. You empowered it where some companies will say, if I empower the acting or the singing creativeness inside of you, you mm-hmm. may go adapt that to something else. Yeah. And, they're, and they're worried about that. So I, I applaud you guys um, for doing that and, and stepping outside the box. Super cool, man. So, yeah, you touched on a lot of great things. We touched on culture, touched on, you know, finances. So I don't want to keep you too long. But if you had to recommend, you know, any restaurant tour or, or, or business person, because I really want the restaurant, the person that has a restaurant inside of them and wants to birth that restaurant, I want them to hear this and say, mm-hmm. okay, man, like, all right, you know, I heard this podcast and I really, you know, want to take that next step. So I know you gave advice, but... 
would you recommend any books or any, you know, what educational components would you give that person to set out, that's setting out to do it? I think books are super important. You know, even if you finish school or you're not going to school, I think continue educations, uh, personal development is super important. And if I were to recommend a book for entrepreneur, uh, there'll be two books that I highly recommend. It's been recommended to me by a close friend of mine and it's been changed, has changed how we operate our business. Uh, the first book would be uh, Traction uh, by Gino. It's literally our guiding light, our Bible to how we operate our business. It's the entrepreneur operation system. It's pretty much teaching you how to create a system for entrepreneur and for your business. So Attraction is a number one book I would recommend any entrepreneur in any uh, field or sector to, to read and get into. It's not a book to read. It's a book to study. Mm. It took me and my team about over a year to truly study the book and implement the book to our business. And the second book uh, would have to be The Five Dysfunctional of a Team. Uh, that's, that's a core principle that I teach all my leadership uh, to have trust to have healthy conflict, to have accountability, to have uh, result. Uh, um, the Five Dysfunctional Team is the number one book I would have to recommend for developing a truly functional, efficient team to, to, to grow a business. Nice, nice. Yeah, those are two very great books. Um, I think that's phenomenal. So yeah, man, any closing remarks, anything that, you know, if you had to share, um, that you would want to share, anything else you want to say before we close out, man? I say that any, anybody want to get into an entrepreneur, own your business, I say talk to entrepreneurs and people who own their business and you'll get an insight that you won't be able to get on the internet. When you talk to somebody in person and get to understand their experience and what they're experiencing and it, it, the ideal to do it is to understand if it's something, if it's for you and kind of give you a guiding force of what to look for as well too. Nice. And, you know, you kind of open a can of worms. Um, you know, has there been a mentor that you would say that, like, has really influenced you um, in this space? And how important is it to have mentors? Um, I say my top mentors would have to be my close friends. Uh, I am I'm grateful that my majority of my close friends are all entrepreneurs themselves. So I'm able to feed off of them and get a lot of the recommendation and kind of get what they're going through and kind of understand their insanity because it is pretty insane to be an entrepreneur, a lot of things we go through. So to get that support, uh, that is unparalleled. And then, of course, also have a business uh, mentor as well, too. Uh, uh, John River, uh, God bless his soul. Uh, from Four Rivers, right? From Four Rivers, yes. Uh, he's been literally our mentor for the last uh, couple of years and literally has shaped um, our culture, has shaped our business model, and, and able to guide us to the right direction to where we want to be. So mentors are super important. Uh, top priority, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, this has been super dope, man. I really appreciate you taking your time out. I know you're super busy, family, business, everything um, of the sort. So it's super cool to have a conversation with you, man. Hopefully this sparks an interest in that next restaurant tour, that next entrepreneur to really go out there and get it. So I appreciate your time, man. Welcome to the New Rich Podcast. Anything. Yeah. Anything for you, man. Right, man. Thank you so much.